Welcome to Served Neat. I'm your host, Jen Hartman. I am wildly obsessed with marketing, sales, business, and the bottom line. I left corporate America with $3,000 in my bank account and a dream of becoming a successful entrepreneur. In the last two years, I grew my marketing consultancy to multiple six figures, worked with over 160 CEOs, and even started my very own fashion brand. In this podcast, I'll be serving up my best kept secrets to help you grow and scale your business. Each week, you'll hear from myself along with other entrepreneurs. You'll learn about what it actually takes to grow a brand, the ups, the downs, and everything in between. Pour yourself a glass of bourbon and get ready to take notes because it is time to dive into this week's episode. Welcome back to another episode of Serve Neat. In today's episode, I had the opportunity to have a conversation with Lauren Chitwood. She's an entrepreneur and co-founder of Spiritless, a woman-owned, vegan, and gluten-free, non-alk spirits brand. Not content to rest on her laurels or to rest, period, her combination of head-in-the-clouds creativity and boots-on-the-ground guts have earned Warren a reputation for being nimble, innovative, and above all else, a problem solver. In today's conversation, you'll hear Warren give advice about making a business pivot, difficulties she faced early on in Spiritless, big marketing moments for the brand, and where they're seeing the biggest ROI. She even shares some major news about what's happening with Spiritless in 2023. I truly enjoyed this conversation, and I know that you will too. So let's dive in. Hey, Lauren, I am so excited to have you here with us today on Served Neat. We're going to go ahead and just dive right in. I know that you went from running a successful event planning company here in Louisville, Kentucky, to launching a non-alk brand. What exactly prompted you to shut down your event planning company and pursue Spiritless? Oh my goodness. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. You know, we ran an experiential agency that worked with big beverage alcohol companies. So we were working with the Brown Foremans, the Sazeracs, the Diageos of the world. And what we kept hearing from our top customers is that they were looking for something non-alcoholic and it couldn't be water, tea, coffee, juice, Coke, nothing in a can, nothing syrup-based. And we were always scrambling at the last minute to try to find something delicious and non-alcoholic to put into our guests' hands. And, you know, we pulled up and said, my gosh, why don't we go solve this problem that they have? And so we jumped in. That was in October of 2019. Wow. Good for you. And at what point were you like, you know what, it's time to shut this business down and say goodbye. Was that like a hard decision? So it wasn't, it wasn't, you know, and it's interesting how, you know, I always feel like things just happen for a reason. You know, we actually were in a special position, you know, we pulled up and we were kind of at the end of a high season, getting ready to go into a low season. And I'll also remind you what happened in early 2020, no one was was gathering publicly anymore. So we just said, you know what, let's take this cash and let's do a big old pivot because, you know, the reality is, is, you know, we'll end up kind of back in the season again. And, um, you know, we'll be spending down these cash reserves, getting ready to gear up. And, and why don't we put this into something that can live outside of us? I think that was probably another huge motivator is that although, you know, it was a successful, wonderful business and we all were very fortunate to do very well at it. 
there's not a lot of value when, you know, the intellectual capital is the ownership, right? And if that goes away, you know, what's, what's left. And so we really wanted an asset that could live outside of us and kind of beyond us at some point. And so that's when we pulled the trigger. That's awesome. Well, thanks for sharing more. So we're going to stay on the topic of pivoting here just for a minute. What advice would you give to another founder who is considering making a big pivot with their business? Oh my goodness. So I think I would say just start. I think that's the hardest uh, thing, but that's also, you know, action is such a catalyst. And even if it's saying, I'm just going to start by making a to-do list today of 10 things that I need to research, right? And, and when you get that information tomorrow, when you wake up, what are those other 10 things? Who can I talk to? Who I can, who can I meet with? And, you know, if you wake up every day and be oriented to action, I think that that's probably one of the, the most influential things that a, that a, that an entrepreneur can do in, in just moving the ball forward and allowing that information and those opportunities to come towards you to figure out if this is the right opportunity for you or not. Yeah. I like that. It's like baby steps. You're not just waking up tomorrow and being like, okay, we're going to start a new business and we're going to get going. I like that one step at a time. That was great advice. Okay. Let's move on to another topic. So tell me a bit more. What difficulties did you face in the very early days of Spiritless? Any good stories you can tell us? Wow. Well, listen, I, I don't know how much time we have, uh, Jen. There's, you know, we have a, you know, the, the meme that you see of the entrepreneur's kind of daily journey of the ups and the downs. Certainly, you know, we, we live that very intimately. I think that, um, you know, we started a business right before COVID. We were creating a patented process that had not existed yet. Like, you know, we um, were navigating global supply chain issues. You know, it has really been just a uphill battle from the start. But with that being said, there's been such incredible rewards for all the challenges and things that we persevered through, you know, I think that, um, you know, being a, being a startup in an exploding category, like, like spiritless, you know, there's many, many opportunities that, that come before you. And, you know, it's really just stepping into the room, you know, being open and, and saying yes. And, you know, seeing what, what unfolds in front of you and doing the best you can with, with what you've got. So, I mean, it's, a daily pivot in some ways, although as we are getting, you know, much, much larger, it's less of that, but you know, it still happens. I love that. Okay. So I've never launched my own spiritless brand, my non-off brand, maybe one day, but I'm so curious what that process looks like. Like, did you just wake up one day with, um, an idea for a recipe? Like, did you work with somebody else? Like what, like, I have no idea what that looks like. And I'm sure a lot of my listeners have no clue either. Can you kind of like break that down for me? Oh my goodness. So, well, listen, there's, there's a, there's a bunch of different categories, right? Like how do I finance this business? You know, first and foremost, second is, you know, what is this supposed to look like and feel like, what is this supposed to taste like? What kind of, what segment of consumer category are we looking to, to address specifically? And I think that, you know, there's, there's lots of ways that you could break down sort of each one of those things and they're all, all intertwined. I think for us, you know, what we looked at when we saw the spirit space that we'd been working in, you know, with incredible brands for, for a really long time was that most people were assigning value to products and making purchase decisions based upon how all of these precious liquids were made. 
right? So, you know, at what mash bill, at what age, et cetera, et cetera, that was informative. And what we looked at and what we saw in the category broadly was that it was all water and a bunch of flavoring. And that to me didn't resonate. That didn't feel like something that we understood as a spirit. And so it literally started in our basement. It was YouTube University. And, you know, I built my own little kind of baby still. And, you know, from there, we've been able to scale that up in incredible fashion. We have both a process and an application patent for making non-alcoholic spirits in the U.S., which is a hugely kind of valuable piece of spiritless. But, you know, now as the category is evolving and as the consumer is now much more kind of educated and aware, you know, now certainly that's growing more and more by the day, um, we're now able to have those conversations about, my gosh, the first ingredient when you roll over a bottle of spirit list is not water. Let me tell you why and how. And that's been, you know, really, really powerful, but all, it all kind of feeds and, and connects. I, very, very cool. So I have a bottle of Spiritless on my bar, actually, that I really like making old fashions with. But I'm so curious, like, what version are we getting? Is that the first version? Is that the fifth version? Like, how much trial and error did you have to go through to get this oh, recipe? You're probably on, like, the 200th version. Um, you know, And we're always, I mean, listen, just like any bourbon or any spirit, right? Like you're blending, you're tasting, like you're working through QC, you're optimizing. And so, um, you know, every single batch we are still, you know, working on holding to quality control standards and, you know, making sure is, is the, the best liquid that we've ever put out. And, you know, so there's, you'll find some nuance from bottle to bottle and, you know, that's, that's the joy. Very cool. Okay. So I'm such a bourbon girl and I'm curious because it's not out. Does it age in a bourbon barrel or is that not a part of the process? So that's, that's not part of our process. So, you know, we actually make our product in probably less than 12 hours, which is pretty cool, especially, you know, in the bourbon industry, when you're looking at barrels resting for, you know, years and years, but essentially what we do is we put the barrel inside the still. So we have a proprietary blend of a charred American oak. And we essentially do that extraction. So just like a barrel goes and sits in a rick house and over four years in that crazy Kentucky weather, that barrel slowly expands and contracts. We essentially mimic that process, but do it really fast. So we're modulating temperature and pressure and highs and lows, interacting it with a, with a corn-based grain neutral, just like a white dog essentially. And so that is how we make the first step of our process. And then from there, we're able to take off just the ethyls and the ethyls and leave all that delicious flavor that comes out of the oak. Very cool. I feel like I just got a good education on that. That was great. If you followed it, sometimes we have, you know, if you look online, we've got some great uh, like flow charts and uh, things like that that can help my, my, my nerdier consumers want to know exactly how we make this stuff. Amazing. Okay, let's shift gears and talk about marketing. What marketing moments are you super proud of? Oh my goodness. Well, listen, I think there's, there's so many, and, you know, I, I know that PR is, you know, right in your fairway. It is one of my absolute favorite forms of marketing. Um, you know, I'll never forget. We were on the today show if last year, which was really, really exciting. Um, and, you know, just sitting there in the middle of dry January and, you know, watching them talk about Kentucky 74 and it being female founded, it was such an exciting day. You know, we were able to, you know, pull together some other really exciting things that supported that moment and really carried us through through the year, which was wonderful. Um, you know, in addition to that, I think that, you know, we are in a very interesting place when it comes to, you know, digital spend and online marketing. You know, obviously, you know, the the 
evolution of iOS 14 and, you know, how all of this has affected businesses, I think is something that, you know, everyone in consumer products has felt, you know, what I'm most proud about is, you know, we've been very, very smart in how we've managed spend and how we've really been, um, you know, both aggressive, but also very, um, very judicious. And, you know, it, it, you can waste a whole lot of money there, but, you know, we really showed up and said, we've got to do what's working. We've got to stay laser focused there. And, you know, we're still seeing 200, 300% growth year over year in these channels while not necessarily spending hand over fist. And, you know, we're profitable on our first order, which is just, you know, that was, that was the goal or is the goal. Um, so, you know, there's, there's some things that we're really proud of, but it's, you know, it's a, it's a marathon, not a sprint is kind of how I, how I talk about that channel specifically. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Let's keep talking about marketing and it might be something you already mentioned, but what marketing or even PR efforts have generated the most return for spiritless so far? That's so interesting. So, um, listen, I think that if we're, if we're going dollar for dollar, you know, I think certainly spending, uh, spending into the dot-com channels, whether that's Amazon or, uh, spiritless.com's channels, you know, those are highly, highly profitable channels for us. Um, and they continue to have a lot of potency. Um, but I think that, you know, we're certainly in a place right now where we're also still working on consumer awareness. Right. And so like, how, how are we making sure that new people are finding spiritless, you know, especially if, um, you know, especially while not spending wildly into the algorithm, you know, without, without kind of a, a tight leash on returns. So, you know, we've done, we've done some really interesting things just in terms of print, um, you know, Southern living continues to be, um, great partners for us. That was earned actually. Um, in addition to that, this year, we did a big feature in O magazine, um, which, you know, when we started looking at traffic and kind of, you know, where, where we saw that uplift, we, we really were like, okay, like that was expensive, but I, we're feeling it, which is just great. That is so cool. Do you guys do any like sampling events? I can totally see you guys in like liquor stores or even at like bourbon and beyond. Oh girl, we're pouring all the time. Yes. Yes. And you know, those certainly I think have, have important ROI, you know, to us, we have a, we have a pretty large sales team. So we're, you know, we're sitting at about 20, 22 of, uh, of people out in the field across the U S every day. So, you know, that's an enormous investment period, full stop. Um, and, you know, certainly, you know, those are critical moments with the consumer that support the turn in accounts. Um, but, you know, we call that, that's, that's more of a, that, that falls on the P and L under the sales budget, less so on the marketing budget for us specifically. So, but yes, we are pouring. That's fair. Okay. Have you guys tried any campaigns that were like a little bit different, a little bit risky things that you weren't sure how they were going to work out and like, what were those campaigns and how did they turn out? You can just like share one or two. Yeah, absolutely. So I think I can just think of, you know, this year we did a, a partnership with dry bar, uh, in dry January, which was really fun. It was one of those things. And, you know, I think this happens with a lot of partnerships is you start, like you start a conversation sort of small and then people get excited. And then you're like, okay, 
let's keep going. You know, so we, we, instead of going straight to corporate and kind of working down, we actually ended up doing it in reverse um, and got the majority of, of the U S wrapped up in this really fun partnership with dry bar. So we had our whiskey sours and dry bar and really saw, you know, just one there's, you know, it's such a, it's, it's such a great moment. You know, you're just, you're sitting there and you got nothing to do, but either look at your phone or look at yourself. And like, there's a can of spirit there for you. Right. And so it was a, it was a great, you know, opportunity to just really put a captive audience in front of us. And I think what's also, you know, what's also neat is that we've been able to, of course, hone in more and more who our consumer is, and we skew a little bit more male than female. But with that being said, our sweet spot for us is kind of the millennial parent which, you know, I don't know if any of your listeners can reciprocate, but like, there's nothing worse than being hungover with children. It is truly awful. Um, but you know, these are usually, you know, dual income families, they're, they're earning and they're optimizing. They're trying to make a better choice because they've got stuff to do. And so, you know, that really fell nicely in line with a dry bar consumer. And, you know, we've, we've been really fortunate to see some pickup, um, and some, some real returns and awareness for the, for the partnership. That is such a cool partnership and a genius idea. Was that your idea? Uh, you know, to be honest, it, I think it was, it, it was, I don't even know if I can take credit. I, I think we all just went, I think we all know somebody sort of there one way or another. Like I knew the Louisville dry bar people and um, Tom, our CMO knew the South Carolina dry bar people. And I was like, and I think we just said, let's call them and, and see. So I don't know who can take credit for it, but we grew it beautifully and it went really well. That's amazing. Isn't it cool though? Like how relationships can go such a long way when you're building a business. Oh, they're everything. Yeah. I mean, if you don't have your relationships, it's, um, there's, it's, it's really, it's too hard without some friends. I'll tell you that. I agree. 100%. Something that like nobody talks about. And then you get going in business and you're like, oh, it actually like helps to have a really great network of people around you. Yes. Oh, immensely, immensely. And I'm sure you built quite the network when you were building your event planning company. And then that could just carry over into Spiritless for you. Uh, oh, yes. And listen, I can't even fully take credit. You know, Abby, who is um, one of the co-founders of Spiritless, you know, Abby was on the founding team of New York City Food and Wine. She founded the Atlanta Food and Wine Festival. And so when it really came to knowing who the cool kids were and to having some favors to call in, you know, Abby has been, you know, just pivotal in making sure that the right people had spiritless in their hands. Amazing. I love that. Speaking of co-founders, I am curious, what is it like having other co-founders? Do you guys ever argue? Do you feel like you balance each other out? Like how does that process work? Listen, I think that there, it is, well, I can, I can speak from my experience. Like we could not do it without each other. And like, we literally <laughs> will sit on calls and like, you know, the sky is falling and like, you know, there's a million things that have gone wrong. And, you know, I, I think it's a really telling moment when it's in the hard times that you know how you are as business partners, right? Like the easy, the good times are always easy. Like everybody's happy about that. And in the hard times, we draw so much closer to each other. We are so supportive. There's never a like, you know, pointing fingers. Well, like if you hadn't done that one, we wouldn't have been, you know, it's just really great. Now with that being said, I think part of the reason that we do so well is that we are very siloed in what our skills are. And we all three of us know, I don't want the other one's job. And I also couldn't do it if she wasn't here. And so that's just bred such a wonderful um, collaborative partnership 
that's really based upon just respect. And so um, I know that not everybody is as lucky as we are, but, you know, we are certainly, you know, counting our lucky stars to have one another. That's amazing. Thank you so much for sharing more. I don't have co-founders. So I've always been curious if you have co-founders, how does that process work? And so thank you. I appreciate that. Yes. Highly recommend it, but like also know what you're getting into. This is our second business together. And so I think that makes a huge difference. Like there were no blind spots. Like they knew that my detailing orientation sucks some days, which I know that shocks everyone because I came from the event world, but like, you know, that's just not me. Like I'm the idea person. I'm the storyteller. I'm the sales person. You know, that's more of my role. Um, so, you know, there was no illusions to Lexi that I wasn't going to be building the financial model, you know? So, but you got to know those things. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, last main question for you. What does the future hold for Spiritless? Is there anything coming up that you're able to share with us? Oh my goodness. Well, um, there's so much coming up. I mean, we've we've hit some enormous goals. So Spiritless this year, you know, we sold 42,000 cases, which I'm like so shocked about still. I'm just like I'm, I can't believe it. It's just a crazy number. So this year we're planning on rolling over a hundred thousand cases, which feels like an earth shattering, you know, huge, huge accomplishment, which is, which is wonderful. In addition to that, you know, we've had some really incredible products that have continued to, to come into, to the spiritless portfolio. So last year we launched Jalisco 55, which is our tequila product. This year, we're going to make our um, Kentucky 74 spice, which is our cinnamon whiskey. I have to tell you, it is, we, we did a limited time offer on it. It is the best liquid we've made period full stop. People are obsessed with it. Um, and I, you know, I'm not even really a cinnamon whiskey drinker, but you know, people are going like, I can drink this neat and you can, I mean, it is an incredible, incredible product. I'll never forget, um, Fred Minnick, who's a, you know, master taster. I got a text message from one of our investors the other day. And it was a YouTube video link with Fred holding up a bottle of spiced. And I was on the road in Texas and I was like, Oh, Fred's going to ruin my day. He's like a serious spirits guy. He's going to talk trash about us. He doesn't get the category. And even Fred was like, I, I mean, he says, I love this stuff. This is better than fireball. I mean, it was awesome. So anyway, all that to say spice is going to be a uh, full-time product, which is exciting. Um, and then we're launching in really exciting places. So you're going to find us in Walmart this year in March. You're going to find us in Kroger, um, you know, in, in a huge swath of states, CVS nationwide. So there's a lot of really exciting things happen that are giving Spiritless some incredible scale and also allowing us to reach the consumer just at, at more spots to educate and, and grow the category. So life is really good. Uh, Jen, life is really good. I got another my good news. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Also, you're so cool. Like, can I be you when I grow up? Oh my gosh. Well, only if you don't like sleep and you love stress. <laughs> yeah. Okay, perfect. Love both of those. <laughs> and kids. We have a lot of kids. So, but yeah, thank you. That's very kind. Of course. Well, this has been a great conversation. How can people learn more about you and Spiritless? Oh my goodness. So listen, you can find us at Drink Spiritless at Drink Spiritless at almost any platform. So Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and we're like trying to get in the TikTok game. I don't know. A verdict is out on that one for me personally. Um, and then, you know, you can find me on LinkedIn, Lauren Chitwood. Um, and so, yeah, it'd be great to connect with anybody. Cool. Thanks so much, Lauren. I appreciate you. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you.